This is the Yonkazine Brief with Peter Hoffman and Sonia Portillo. In this edition of the Yonkazine Brief, we talk with Padma Sundar. Ms. Sundar is Vice President of Strategy and Market Access at Cellmax Life, a company developing a simple blood test or liquid biopsy for cancer screening. The company is using a proprietary technology for detecting pre-cancer and cancer cells in a single blood sample. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Youngest in Brief. Together with a team of experts across multiple disciplines, including pre-cancer and cancer cell capture and imaging, algorithm development, biostatistics, and development and commercialization of clinical-grade tests, Cellmax Life is developing a liquid biopsy for the detection of colorectal cancer. The benefit of liquid biopsies is that they are non-invasive and require only a small amount of blood. The biggest benefit of these tests is that they help detect disease and disease progression early, long before this may trigger clinical symptoms. And as a result, liquid biopsies could be a game-changer in the way we detect and diagnose cancer and in the management of cancer after diagnosis. Ms. Sundar is responsible for corporate strategy, market access, and marketing at Cellmax Life. She has over 20 years of experience in commercialization and driving adoption of novel diagnostics. Prior to Cellmax Life, Ms. Sundar led product management and marketing for Gardens Health's liquid biopsy, leading to its adoption by 80% of oncologists in the United States. She also led product management at Roche Sequencing Solutions. For their liquid biopsy tests, which have been launched in over 50 countries worldwide for cancer treatment and monitoring. One of the applications of Cellmax Life's product is colorectal cancer. According to the American Society for Gastrointestinal Endoscopy, colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related death in both men and women in the United States. Each year, there are more than 150,000 people who hear that they have been diagnosed with colorectal cancer. These new cases require an estimated $14 billion spent on treatment each year. But most cases of colorectal cancer can be prevented with proper screening, early detection, and removal of precancerous polyps. Colonoscopy is considered the gold standard of colorectal cancer screening. The reason is that colonoscopy allows a doctor to view the entire colon and both detect and remove polyps during the same procedure. Unfortunately, Recent data shows that less than 40% of people undergo colonoscopy. And more importantly, approximately two-thirds of Americans aged 50 to 75 years of age is up to date with colorectal cancer screening. That leaves one-third of Americans who are not. This is an estimated 23 million people. Researchers have long been looking for a simple blood test to help them diagnose colorectal cancer. And earlier this year, Cellmax Life presented new findings at the ASCO Gastrointestinal Cancer Symposium, indicating that their blood tests, based on their proprietary technology, can detect precancers with close to 90% accuracy. Cellmax Life's blood tests isolates and analyzes both circulating tumor cells and cell-free DNA from a sample of blood to detect six types of analytes, including four classes of genomic mutations, microsatellite instability, and circulating tumor cells. Results of the study shows that it is possible to accurately differentiate between healthy patients and those with precancer. Further, an increase in the cell count was significantly correlated with an increase in disease severity. 
And while colonoscopy remains the gold standard, these results are exciting because for the very first time, patients who are reluctant or unwilling to undergo a colonoscopy may have a potential screening alternative, a highly sensitive, non-invasive testing option for pre-cancer. The Oncuzine Brief is developed in collaboration with our online journal Oncuzine at www.oncuzine.com where you can find additional information and the latest news about cancer, cancer diagnosis and treatment and cancer prevention. Let's listen to our interview with Padma Sundar. I'm here with uh, Padma Sundar. She is uh, Vice President of Strategy and Market Access at Cellmax Life. Ms. Sundar, welcome to the Ongazine Brief. Thank you for having me. So when we talk about colorectal cancer, what are some of the things that first come to mind? What, what are people really have to be aware of or know about colorectal cancer uh, first and foremost? So one of the things that's important to know about colorectal cancer is that it's largely preventable with early detection. And this is why major U.S. medical societies and guidelines strongly recommend that every individual 45 years and older should get regularly screened for colorectal cancer so you can, um, it can be detected early. What is unfortunate is that despite the strong endorsement of major medical societies, one in three eligible Americans have never been screened for colorectal cancer. And as a result, instead of being the most preventable cancer, it, it remains um, the second largest cancer killer in the U.S., with over 60% of people being diagnosed when the cancer has already been advanced and the uh, survival rates are lowered. So I think one of the most important things we want to touch upon, um, hopefully in this talk, is the importance of getting screened for colorectal cancer and really making it very easy and very convenient for patients uh, to get screened and really think about tests that can catch colorectal cancer before it becomes cancer, which is catching it at the pre-cancer stage when it can actually be removed and colorectal cancer can be prevented. Now, you mentioned the fact that major medical societies refer to or recommend being tested at, at 45. The U.S. Uh, Preventive um, uh, Task Force refers also to 50, I mean, as a, as a major cutoff date. It seems to me that um, uh, the, the so-called cutoff date or the date that people are re really encouraged to actually go for colorectal cancer screening is being lowered. Is there a specific reason for that? So it used to be until recently that uh, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force indeed said that uh, the, the starting age for colon cancer screening is 50. But late in 2018, the American Cancer Society actually lowered the age to start colorectal cancer screening from 50 to 45. The reason they did that was that they noticed, they observed that colorectal cancer incidence had in fact declined steadily over the past two decades in the population that was 50 years and older. However, conversely, there had been a 51% increase in colorectal cancer among those individuals who are younger than 50 uh, since 1994. In fact, a recent analysis found that adults born around 1990 have twice the risk of colon cancer and four times the risk of rectal cancer compared with adults born around 1950 who have the lowest risk. And as a result of this finding, the American Cancer Society actually updated the guidelines 
and recommended that individuals start getting screened for colon cancer screening at the age of 45. Is there is there a particular reason from where you're sitting, I mean, you look at, at colorectal cancer, is there a particular reason to point to a reason that may say, well, this leads to an increase in the number of incidents of colorectal cancer in younger people? Yeah, so I think one of the misconceptions is that, you know, um, if you do not have a personal or family history of cancer or you're not genetically predisposed to cancer and I'm young, I don't have an increased risk for cancer. And that's actually not true. Um, it's, it's only about uh, one in three colorectal cancers are because you have a family history of cancer or you have a genetic predisposition. The other um, two-thirds are actually what's called sporadic cancers, and it's not because of any genetic link. And it's been increasingly attributed to a more uh, kind of a lifestyle or behavior. So, for example, it's been shown that if you have a poor um, exercise or if you have a diet that is low in fruits and vegetables, and if you have a diet that is enriched for red processed meats, that kind of it, 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 that kind of increases your risk for cancer, even if you don't have um, any family members or you have a genetic risk for cancer. And it's probably a result, they're saying, in publications of, of, of the lifestyle that we're observing here in Western Europe that is contributing to the rising incidence in younger people. Yeah, so this is maybe a misconception that people may have. If you have a genetic predisposition for cancer, um, and it's colorectal cancer in this case, you may get the disease. It is not a fact that you get the disease, but there is a higher incidence that you may get it. But what you're saying is that the number of, of, of people with a genetic predisposition to get the cancer is relatively low. And um, is it true that the majority of people that really are being diagnosed with colorectal cancer do not have such a genetic predisposition? Is that correct? That is correct. They neither have a genetic dis uh, predisposition nor do they have a family member who's affected. So, so they would think that they are at uh, average risk or um, at no risk, but, but that's in fact not the case. The majority of them have no genetic link, no family member, and yet they're diagnosed with colorectal cancer. So that makes it an, an really a stark point to make sure that whatever your history, if you have a genetic predisposition for the cancer, it's good to be tested early. But that doesn't mean that if you do not have a genetic predisposition for cancer, that you should not be worried about it. I mean, you always have to make sure exactly. to by those rules get tested. That's exactly right. Let's take a break. And after the break, we're back with Padma Sundar. Ms. Sundar is Vice President of Strategy and Market Access at Cellmax Life, a company developing liquid biopsies for cancer screening. Each day, researchers make new discoveries that bring us closer to the moment when all cancer patients can become survivors. Some days they take small steps. Others, huge discoveries lead to giant leaps forward. This progress, both small steps and giant leaps, happens with the help of clinical trials. Clinical trials are a fundamental path to progress and the brightest torch researchers have to light their way towards better treatments. And if you've been diagnosed with cancer, they may be your brightest ray of hope. Clinical trials introduce new hope in addition to the current standard of care by allowing researchers to provide participants access to cutting-edge and potentially life-saving treatments. So if you're interested in exploring new treatment options while helping to light the path for other patients, clinical trials may be the best choice for you. 
Speak with your doctor and visit standuptocancer.org slash clinical trials to learn more about clinical trials. Together, we can stand up for all of us. This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hoffman and Sonia Portillo. And welcome back. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Onkis in Brief. If you're just joining us, today in the Onkis in Brief, we talk with Padma Sundar. Ms. Sundar is Vice President of Strategy and Market Access at Cellmax Life, a company developing liquid biopsies for cancer screening. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Onkis in Brief. Now, you were talking about misunderstandings of misconception about colorectal cancer. Can you give us a little bit more about that? Are there other misconceptions that people may have about colorectal cancer which may actually harm them? Yeah, so in terms of testing options for colon cancer screening, obviously everyone is aware of colonoscopy and and one would think that because we have colonoscopy, we have adequate um, testing options. Unfortunately, Although colonoscopy is very effective for finding these precancers, these are precancer polyps that are precursors to colorectal cancer, and the colonoscopy actually finds most of these and removes it, preventing cancer, um, it's not an effective standalone test. And the reason for that is, for screening purposes, the usage of colonoscopy is less than 40%, meaning less than 40% of people who would be eligible for colon cancer screening are using colonoscopy. And it will not surprise your listeners to know that the reasons attributed for that are that it's invasive, it's inconvenient, and requires bowel prep. So it's, it's, it's a misconception that colonoscopy is, is sufficient um, as a test for colon cancer screening. Now, there are other non-invasive testing options, and they are two types. Some of these are stool-based tests. And there is an FDA-approved, a government-approved blood test. However, um, the reason those tests are not sufficient is although they are non-invasive, they are not effective at catching precancers. So they, both those categories of tests, in fact, missed most, miss most precancers and only catch colorectal cancer after it's happened. So it's a little unfortunate that there are non-invasive testing options, but they are not are detecting cancer early. So there is a gap, if you will, for a convenient test that people will use, but that also catches pre-cancers, thereby preventing colorectal cancer altogether. But we're going to look at uh, some of the changes that have been made since the 1950s in in cancer detection. Until the 1950s, uh, cervical cancer was uh, the top uh, cancer killer uh, for women. Then in the 1950s, the pap smear became uh, uh, the first uh, I would say the preeminent uh, pre-cancer detective, helping um, doctors to find women with a predisposition for cancer, but also with an occurrence of or potential of, of um, being diagnosed with this, these cancers. A lot have changed since then. And, 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 and Ms. Sundar, can you allude a little bit? Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, this is a great example on how cancer is actually preventable when you have a convenient test that is able to detect precancers, and you you have a great example there in cervical cancer. As you rightly pointed out, uh, it used to be the one of the largest uh, killers of um, uh, cancer killers for women. And before Pap smear, 
was not only invented but also became adopted in a widespread manner as part of a woman's routine annual health exam or, or once in three year health exam so two things happened here one is the pap smear was a test that could detect precancer and therefore again a, a good parallel to colorectal cancer that it, it could detect precancers and these were removed preventing cancer the second thing that happened was that it was a test that was adopted and it became part of a uh, a woman's routine physical uh, and as a result of both of these what happened was more and more cervical cancers were found or detected at the pre cancer stage and as a as a result what we saw that in the last 50 years mortality from cervical cancer has reduced by 75% so we know it gives us optimism that this can be achieved even in the case of colorectal cancer because as a society we've been able to do that for cervical cancer before now if you um, look at but the industry in general uh, the pharmaceutical industry but also the industry dealing with uh, the development of diagnostic tools is doing there has been major changes in the way we look at cancer and the way what kind of tests are being uh, performed or are made available in that respect before we're going to talk about uh, what your company is doing let's talk a little bit about the evolution in in tests Can you can you explain a little bit about it? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it has been actually a remarkable evolution in convenient testing options just in the last three or four years. It used to be that we had to do painful biopsies and get tissue from people in order to be able to test it to diagnose disease, and that has actually changed dramatically since 2014 and 2015. what's happened is it's been shown through many many scientific studies that blood tests are actually as effective in fact it's been shown that they are more accurate than tissue tests in diagnosing disease and obviously patients have a significant preference for blood tests over tissue tests because they're less invasive so very quickly in the past 3 or 4 years blood tests for the purposes of screening and the purposes of diagnosing cancer has become standard of care this has led to a an increase in acceptance by the patient population and b actually an improved accuracy in diagnosing disease so that's been a tremendous achievement in the last few years now your company is involved in in what we call liquid biopsies and that is in 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 really simple terms as basically a a blood test in which you look for certain markers in 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 certain cancer markers that that that's that's correct that is correct so the the what i described to you previously uh blood tests uh, they are also called liquid biopsy and you're absolutely right so liquid biopsy is an alternative to a tissue biopsy and it involves taking a blood sample from a routine blood draw in your doctor's office and looking for certain markers now those markers can range from um mutations or genetic changes in your body or they can even be cells that are whole cells that are shed by cancers and now you have a non invasive marker for those cancers so that's that's the term liquid biopsy and and I'm happy to explain what's happening in the early cancer detection screening space using these uh, remarkable liquid biopsies yeah so but before we go into that and 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 we don't want to kind of create a false hope with uh, with patients yes. um it's it's not true that uh, it's it, those tests are not necessarily available for colorectal cancer at this moment 
Yeah, so let, let me explain the difference. So these tests right now are available for patients who are already diagnosed with colorectal cancer for determining what treatment they should be given, as well as for monitoring people in remission after colorectal cancer to see if their cancer is coming back. And so that's where they are currently. That said, uh, companies have, have invested over $2.5 billion to see if now these blood tests can indeed be used to detect cancer early, even before symptoms appear, because that's when we have a, a real uh, you know, ability to impact outcomes for patients. So it is always good right now, um, if, you are, if you don't have colorectal cancer, if you're healthy in that respect, those tests don't help you at this particular moment. So they are really, what you said is like, and that's good to emphasize maybe for people that have been diagnosed with cancer or colorectal cancer to monitor their disease and to make sure what kind of treatment uh, needs to be given to them. Those For those patient categories, those tests are good at this moment. That is correct. That is correct. So I will have one caveat though in terms of screening. There is a government-approved uh, liquid biopsy or blood test available for screening. But because that blood test only picks up about you know, one in every, it's 20%, so only one in five precancers and misses four out of five precancers, the guidelines like the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force have recommended that that test be only used as a last resort test for colon cancer screening when patients absolutely don't want to do colonoscopy or any other test. So it's not really a useful test at this point for screening purposes. No, I, I, I can imagine if one out of five is being missed, um, you definitely do not four want... Four out of five. Oh, four out of five, actually. Yeah. Uh, that's even yeah. worse. I mean, you don't want to be uh, among those patients uh, that really are getting a, a false negative, as, as mm -hmm. we would say that um, in, in medical terms, being not diagnosed with something while you have the disease. So your company is involved in, in the development of those liquid biopsies. Tell me a little bit about the history of that. Yeah. So what my company, Cellmax Life, has done is invested several years of research in developing a technology that isolates cells that are shed by cancers and precancers. So it's been known for several decades that these precancer cells are, they indeed uh, shed cells into the blood. And it was always appreciated that if there was a technology that could pick up these cells in blood, it would be a marker for precancer and, of course, colorectal cancer. The problem had been that these cells are very rare. You're talking about a few cells in a background of a billion normal cells. So it was not you know, possible to find these cells and isolate them. And our technology, uh, our company has developed a proprietary technology that is indeed able to uh, isolate these cells and thereby detect precancer as well as colorectal cancer. Let's take a short break here. And then we continue our interview with Padma Sundar. Ms. Sundar is Vice President of Strategy and Market Access at Cellmax Life, a company developing liquid biopsies for cancer screening. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov generic drugs. 
Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hoffman and Sonia Portillo. Welcome back. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Onkazin Brief. If you're just joining us, today in the Onkazin Brief, we talk with Padma Sundar. Ms. Sundar is Vice President of Strategy and Market Access at Cellmax Life, a company developing liquid biopsies for cancer screening. Uh, Ms. Sundar, before um, the break, we were talking a little bit, or you started to share some information about what was presented during the GI meeting from the American Society of Clinical Oncology in January. Can you continue, can you explain a little bit more about what was presented during this meeting and, and why this is important for us to uh, to know? Yeah, so what we presented was a, uh, uh, was, a, was a clinical trial that we did with 737 people. What we did in that clinical trial was uh, patients were uh, asked to take the Cellmax Life blood test, but they also took, uh, were undergoing a colonoscopy or in the cases that they had cancer, they were also undergoing a biopsy to confirm their diagnosis. And we were blinded to the true results of the colonoscopy and the biopsy, and we were evaluating how well this blood test did in catching pre-cancers as well as colorectal cancer. What we presented at ASCO was very promising results that showed that this test could detect 78% of pre-cancers and over 90% of colorectal cancer, while having uh, a no greater false positive or false alarm rate than existing uh, tests that you have on the market. So we were, um, and ASCO was very encouraged by these results because it shows some promise that a liquid biopsy can be, a, in the future, an alternative, a convenient alternative uh, to the current test, a convenient alternative that that is almost as good as colonoscopy in finding these precancers and preventing cancer. And so that's the data that we presented at ASCO. And uh, obviously, when you, when you look at the whole, uh, all, all the available tests, they, they work together in one way, right? I mean, one test can confirm yeah. what you may have noticed, observed. Is there, is there a certain procedure in there? For, for example, um, somebody comes to, in, in, and this may be a future uh, situation where you come to a, a laboratory or to, to your doctor's office, the doctor may look at you and say, hey, listen, you, we, we can actually test you for these things through a very non-invasive uh, test, uh, liquid biopsy, a little small a blood test to find out if there is a potential or is there a, a chance that you may have cancer? 
What would be the next steps in such an approach? Yes, exactly. That's how we are hoping it would work. So you can imagine a scenario where a patient is an individual is turned 45 or 50 and goes for their routine physical and the doctor says, I think it's time for you to schedule a colonoscopy. And like we know, um, you know, three out of you know, four patients will say, ah, I don't really want to take a colonoscopy. It's invasive. And then the doctor, you know, now can offer a blood draw, which can be taken at the doctor's office and would be, and then it would come back with a result, with a binary result. If, it, if it's positive, at that point, the individual would be recommended a confirmatory diagnostic colonoscopy. And it's been shown that when, you know, they know that they, uh, something has been detected, they're much more motivated to do that colonoscopy than if they had, you know, than if they were, they thought they were at average risk. At that point, it's been shown that more people would undergo a diagnostic colonoscopy, which would remove the polyp or address the cancer or treat the cancer, and you would have caught it early. Now, if the person had a negative finding from the blood test, and they would just go back to their screening schedules. So that's the world we imagine where, you know, everybody gets screened for colon cancer, either using colonoscopy, and if they're reluctant to do that, using this blood test. And and the other thing, with, with the blood test also, it is also possible to, what you said, detect earlier in, in some cancers. Um, if, if you look at, at I think, uh, in the incidence of ovarian cancer or other cancers that might be able to sh- shift the, the diagnosis uh, from a stage three or four to a stage one or two, but that is in a different form of cancer. Is that also applicable to colorectal cancer screening the way you envision that? Yeah, that's a great point. So another uh, something to share with the listeners is that if you look at what colonoscopy actually detects, 98% of what colonoscopy detects is pre-cancer. So that is before you even have cancer. And so it does a very nice job of picking up these pre-cancers and removing it. And actually, there was a study that followed these people who had their pre-cancers removed for over a period of 16 years, and they had a 50% lower mortality rate compared to people who did not get their adenomas removed. So the point I'm trying to make is if, if, if you know, everybody got screened for colon cancer, we are talking about most of it getting picked up at, as pre-cancer, unlike the world today where I explained earlier, 60% of it is getting picked up when the cancer is already advanced. So, so we, we, we're going to start to see a shift in when cancer is diagnosed and therefore an impact on survival. And, and one of the things that um, we, we had an interview uh, for another episode of uh, the Oncogene Brief, where we were talking with a number of um, gastroenterologists and, and pathologists. And one of the things they said, well, they refer to at this particular moment in time as the colonoscopy, as the quote-unquote gold standard. Um, but they said also in the program if patients, for whatever reason, uh, at this particular moment, they don't want to do this, first of all, they need to know that a colonoscopy today is not as bad as it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. There are a lot of uh, advancements made in the way this procedure is being done. However, if patients do not like it, do not want it, they're, they're, um, it's good to know that there are other ways to screen. And in their opinion, it is better get screened with something than not screened at all. How do you look at that? Exactly, exactly. So what we are also, our mission is not to replace colonoscopy because we also maintain that that is the gold standard because it does pick up these three cancers. 
But exactly, for the, those people who are reluctant to get screened, it's better that they get screened with another option, which in our case actually directs them to the diagnostic colonoscopy when they're positive. So we catch, in the end, the net benefit is that we are catching more of this at an early stage. So the message is get screened. Now, one of the things that uh, also comes to mind is that there is there are a lot of um, tests being done, a lot of studies being conducted uh, to find out what kind of liquid biopsy, what kind of blood test may become available for the diagnosis of, for example, colorectal cancer. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about it, Ms. Hundar? Yeah, so it's uh, your message is absolutely right. Uh, the message is that you should get uh, tested, you should get screened. Uh, and I think um, as, as an industry, as a society, we need to make it very, very easy for people to get tested. And there's overwhelming published evidence that people prefer a blood test to almost any other form of testing like stool tests or colonoscopy. So in recognition of that, close to $2.5 billion have been invested in the last few years in developing these liquid biopsies or blood tests for early cancer detection, including early colorectal cancer detection. So as we speak, thousands of patients are being enrolled in studies which will compare the performance of these blood tests to colonoscopy, um, including our company, which is looking at cells in blood. Other companies are looking at um, DNA in blood. The, the challenge will be which is the technology that can actually find pre-cancers because it's not sufficient to find colorectal cancer. It's a little too late. So the challenge will be uh, to find pre-cancers and prevent cancer. And we feel confident given the amount of studies uh, and that we are doing. Actually, we are doing a study in collaboration with Stanford, USC, and UC Davis to look at our technology. And we feel confident that as a community, we are not far from actually having a blood test that patients will find very convenient, but one that also detects pre-cancers. Um, I want to say we are probably maybe three to five years from uh, such a test being available to people. Let's take a short break. After the break, we're back with our interview with Padma Sundar. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Youngest in Brief. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Each day, researchers make new discoveries that bring us closer to the moment when all cancer patients can become survivors. Some days they take small steps. Others, huge discoveries lead to giant leaps forward. This progress, both small steps and giant leaps, happens with the help of clinical trials. Clinical trials are a fundamental path to progress and the brightest torch researchers have to light their way towards better treatments. And if you've been diagnosed with cancer, they may be your brightest ray of hope. Clinical trials introduce new hope in addition to the current standard of care by allowing researchers to provide participants access to cutting-edge and potentially life-saving treatments. So if you're interested in exploring new treatment options while helping to light the path for other patients, clinical trials may be the best choice for you. 
Speak with your doctor and visit standuptocancer.org slash clinical trials to learn more about clinical trials. Together, we can stand up for all of us. This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hoffman and Sonia Portillo. And welcome back. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Ongus in Brief. Our interview today with Padma Sundar was recorded in March 2019. And so that is the future. Um, so in summing up, um, the first the gold standard, and we were talking about before the break about this as well, is still colonoscopy. There are other tests available, including uh, stool tests, um, which are also good, but they still miss a lot of um, uh, precancers and as a result, um, not as good as a colonoscopy. There are also blood tests which are not necessarily for the early diagnosis of cancer, um, colorectal cancer, but primarily for the, the finding of people or the, the following of people that have cancer and to try to find out what kind of therapy is the best in their case. And then there is a whole other category of tests, um, so-called um, cancer gene tests. Can you, uh, before before we're going to switch and talk a little bit about diet, can you tell a little bit about that and how effective those tests may be? Yeah, absolutely. So the cancer gene tests fall into two categories. Um, some of these gene tests are indicated to see if you have a genetic predisposition for cancer. So you may be, you may be healthy but you may carry a gene in your body that you inherited from your parents that give you at you know put you at increased risk for cancer. Um, so there are a number of tests um, that are uh, available, which where, you, where your saliva or your blood can be tested to see if you have the genetic predisposition. And I think the uh, the poster child for that was in in the case of breast cancer was Angelina Jolie. But there are genes that put you at increased risk for colorectal cancer too. So that's one category of gene tests. The second category of gene tests is once you've been diagnosed with cancer, particularly for people who've been diagnosed with advanced cancers, there are gene tests that can tell you which type of treatment you should be given based on your genetic mutation profile. And those are also blood tests that can be, that can be done after you've, got, you've been diagnosed with cancer. So those are some of the gene tests that are available, but none of those um, yet directly are for screening purposes. And it is always good to realize that uh, those tests... Um if patients have been diagnosed with colorectal cancer or if, if, I mean, they have to realize that their genetic predisposition may not necessarily mean that they're going to get the cancer, but it also doesn't mean that if you don't have the genetic predisposition that you're free, that you don't, don't get the cancer either. So, I mean, but, but uh, I think earlier in the program we mentioned there's two in three patients that are diagnosed with colorectal cancer do not have a genetic predisposition. So it's, it's good to realize that um, it's a tool, um, but the combination of tools is better in that respect. That's right. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit. And the first thing that comes to mind is uh, diet and maybe what are some of the things that people can do to prevent colorectal cancer? Yeah, so um, like I said, colorectal cancer as the two out of three cases that we are talking about. There's no family history, there's no genetic predisposition. It is believed that it can be prevented to a great extent with a healthy lifestyle. Uh, so what's recommended by many societies and and many hospital like organizations like the Mayo Clinic, if you go to their website. 
Um, they have clear guidelines. The American Cancer Society has clear clear guidelines, and they all point to having a healthy diet. And what they mean by that is increasing your intake of fruits and vegetables, and decreasing your intake of uh, processed meats and red meats. And of course, uh, in terms of lifestyle, again, what they recommend is is not to have a sedentary lifestyle, uh, to exercise, and of course, high body mass index. Smoking are also uh, risk factors for colorectal cancer. So really, um, these these recommendations are very clearly laid out, and, and it is believed that it can it can really help uh, prevent colorectal cancer. Now, one of the things that is remarkable, you mentioned smoking. Uh, people always relate smoking to to lung cancer, but it's good to realize that if you smoke, um, this, this smoking also has an effect on the potential for developing colorectal cancer. That's correct. Okay, I think we're done. Thank you very much. The only real cure for cancer is finding it early. And a colonoscopy is still considered the gold standard for the detection of colorectal cancer. Unfortunately, there are millions of people who have already been recommended to have screening, but they just don't want to use a colonoscopy because they don't think it's convenient. And while there are many reasons why someone decides not to get screened, screening is saving lives. Clearly, this means that in addition to existing alternatives for colonoscopy, there is a need for an accurate non-invasive screening method to help detect colorectal cancer. One of these potential non-invasive screening methods is a simple blood test. And while there is still a lot of work that needs to be done, Cellmax Life is one of the companies hard at work in developing a simple blood test designed to capture precancerous and cancer cells that are shed into the blood by tumors. And, as we've said, while a colonoscopy remains the gold standard, these results are exciting because for the very first time patients who are reluctant or unwilling to undergo a colonoscopy may have a highly sensitive non-invasive testing option for precancer. For more information about Cellmax Life, please visit the company's website at cellmaxlife.com. For more information about colorectal cancer, how it is diagnosed and treated, visit the website of the American Cancer Society at cancer.org. You can also visit the website of the American Society of Clinical Oncology at asco.org. For us here at the Oncogene Brief, we want to thank you, our listeners and underwriters, for your ongoing support. Thanks to your support, Our program has a wider reach with distribution via iHeartRadio, in addition to PRX Public Radio Exchange, and in the United Kingdom and mainland Europe via UK Health Radio. You can also download our program via iTunes. In Arizona, you can listen to the Onkis in Brave via Independent Talk 1100 KFNX, one of the top 10 radio stations in Arizona, reaching almost 5 million people throughout the state. For more information about that, check our online journal Oncozine at www.oncozine.com. You can also find Oncozine at Facebook or Twitter. If you like the Oncozine Brief and want to help us make this program possible, visit our online journal Oncozine and click on the link The Oncozine Brief. Here you can find out more information on how you can support this program. And your support for this program is really important. It allows us to bring you interviews with experts involved in the development of novel diagnostics and treatment. If you are living in the United States and want to receive our newsletter, text the word CANCER to 66866. 
and we will make sure that you'll receive our newsletter, which includes an overview of the latest news in oncology and hematology. Thank you all, and thank you for listening. And join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Youngest in Brief. The Oncazine Brief is produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hofflin, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and Sean Mayer, and distributed by InPress Media Group. Support for the Oncazine Brief comes from listeners of this station and our commercial underwriters and advertisers. For more information about underwriting and sponsoring options, contact Sean Mayer in California at 949 923 1660 or visit our website at oncazine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncazine Brief contains health and medicine related information and is provided for educational and entertainment purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it.